What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Pick Swap Podcast. I'm James Rand. I'm here with Sean Bernard. What's up, Sean? Not much, James. Doing good. How about you? Doing all right, man. China's hanging in there. Um, so, I mean, we can talk about the NBA playoffs to start um, a little bit because, you know, the Sixers aren't in it, so we're not going to get too far into it. But um, the Denver Nuggets overcome a 3-1 lead and beat the Jazz last night uh, to move forward. Doesn't really matter to me in the West, but I am just, like, dreading all of the other games that are going on. Like, I can't even watch the Celtics-Raptors series and, like, the Bucks and the Heat because I just – I hate those all four of those teams, like, so much. Yeah. Now, who are you rooting for? How are you feeling about that? I don't know. It's tough. Uh, shout out, first off, to Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell because both yeah. of them put on absolute performances that whole series. Uh, I'm starting to believe in the Raptors again, which has surprised me. I didn't have that vibe at all, like, going into the playoffs, but – I don't know. The Bucks don't strike me as like dominant in the same way that I see teams out west, no. both like the Lakers and the Clippers. But I don't know. I don't have a strong rooting interest. I hate watching it that I find myself liking Jimmy Butler again. That definitely hurts. But like, I don't. Yeah, I don't know why. It feels like to me like everything after the Sixers are out. Like I started to dislike Donovan Mitchell and Nikola Jokic a little bit less, and I started to dislike Giannis and and Jimmy Butler a little bit less. And it's like. What's going on? Like, what's wrong with me? Yeah, yeah. I'm back on the same, like, this is why I like Jimmy. Like, I miss this. Like, just the whole mentality, the whole everything about him. I just wish it worked, but it didn't. Yeah. He seems to have found his team, so good for him, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of factors and a lot of rumors that go around about Butler and, and like, why it didn't work out here. But I don't, I don't know. I wish – I wish it would have just ran it back, dude. That team was so good. Right. We're in a whole whole better spot right now if we ran it back that year instead of going yeah, and making the changes that we ended up doing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, one thing I did want to point out, actually, like before we move too far forward, was all the, like, I don't want to say sympathy, but, like, how well people were handling Donovan Mitchell's emotions coming off the floor after last night's loss and – Obviously, with the way it ended his turnover, which basically lost them the game or put them in a worse position at the end of the game. And everyone's like, oh, I feel so bad for, for Mitchell. And he put it out on the floor in respect to him. But but Embiid just got clowned for that same thing last year. And, and showing emotion, I don't think, should be like – like, they both cared about the games. They both cared about the series. And, like, both of those series ended in a game seven, like, crazy wild ending, things you can't foresee happening. And, like – I, I respected Donovan Mitchell for, you know, laying on the ground, showing that he was upset and showing that he was feeling like he could have done more and, and coming off the floor. Like, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't want to clown Mitchell for it, but I also don't really understand the praise for a guy that blew a 3-1 lead. And then, like, I, I, just, I don't know. And then the hate for, for Embiid. Yeah, I agree. There's definitely a, a major double standard. Like, you you can't hate a guy for leaving it out, all out on the floor and, like, caring about it that bad. And, like, I, I, again, the 3-1 lead's tough to defend with Mitchell, but, like, still, he left it all out there. He played. But Utah's not the strongest team when you just look at them on paper. And they're, like, I don't think this is a team built for the the levels that they were playing at. Like, I think they were outplaying what they should have, which is impressive in itself. And, yeah, again, it's been great basketball, so it's been awesome to watch. Yeah, that's another thing. A lot of these games, I mean, the, the Houston OKC series was a lot of fun. The Dallas Clippers matchup was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, I hope that the – I hope both of the Easter Conference series go deep 
um, just so they're more, you know, entertaining at least, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I hate watching them as it is. So at least they're good games or a good series and no one gets blown out one way or another. Um, it's also think the Sixers- that they're uh, the way the um, like some series are already over and moving on to the next one versus others. Yeah, just- it's really weird. That- yeah, that's messing up my mental, like, watching – my mental clock of watching games, but – Yeah, it's weird to watch, like, the Bucks and, and the Raptors series going into, like, game two, and then the, that series just ending in, like, OKC playing tonight as a game seven. It's, it's strange, but they are in a time constraint. Like, they do have to get these games and these series over at a certain time, so there's at least some portion of an offseason. Um, and that kind of goes right into what we want to talk about next. Like, how – do you think that this – offseason is going to be so much harder based on the fact that there's a, a shorter period of free agency and drafting and there was really no end of the college basketball season so scouting is a little bit skewed it's been a long time since they've seen these guys play like do you think I honestly think that this might be one of the hardest off seasons to maneuver which is really terrible for the Sixers because it's one where they need to make a lot of noise so how do you see this offseason really like going forward it's going to be tough. I definitely agree. This is a major off season for the Sixers and they need to make sure they get this one right. But again, all the timelines are like constantly shifting. We don't really know what every stage is going to be looking like this year. But the again, like no matter what they're working with, the Sixers need to find a way to get this right. And whether that be like through the draft, through free agency, I definitely think they need to find a trade. I think if there's not some sort of significant trade made, like we're not going to be able to improve the amount that like would extend us back into that contender category. So I think Alan Brand needs to be working the phones already. I'm sure he is. I mean, at least I hope he is. Yeah. The weirdest thing is is that a lot of people were pissed at him, and we talked about this last pod. A lot of people were pissed at him about the remarks he made and everything, but I don't hate Elton Brand quite yet. I think that there's some some things that he obviously needs to do better, and there's a learning curve with this. Like, you do have to realize that he hasn't had a general manager position before and they brought him in and kind of just said, Hey, fix this team, find out what they need to do. Like, and he did what he could. He tried to, he made two blockbuster trades. He got those things done. And and the Butler trade was relatively cheap. The the Tobias trade was not so much, but it's, it's clear that he can make things happen. I think he was just like, his heart was in the right place. His head just wasn't with him yet. And I'm hoping with that year, two years under his belt, he can maybe, you know, get it together. And, and hopefully with a little bit less chatter in his ear from people around him, um, he can make a move here. But, I mean, do you realistically think the Sixers can get out of the Horford contract? Because the more I think about it, dude, the more the harder I think it's going to be. Yeah, it's not going to be easy by any means. Like, there's not a strong selling point for a guy at the tail end of his career on a max contract at – a position that's coming out of the game like right there that's tough but uh i do think it's not impossible at the same time you just need to find like the right match i think the kings are a super strong match in that regard because i think i don't think it's talked about enough how much buddy healed wants out of there who has a similar contract with that and we're gonna have to like load it up like it's gonna have to be horford matisse may get tossed in there which i know Zaire, something like that you're gonna have to just find a way to intrigue a team and make it work and like ultimately getting that contract off the books is just as much of a return as any player you can get back yeah I'm totally for the idea here like here's the ideal situation for me with that is you package Jay Rich in that deal Agreed. and you sweeten it up with our first round pick so 
I, I would say that deal has to get done with Horford because that's going to be like, you know, the, the weight in the backpack holding it back. But if you had Horford, Jay Rich, and this year's first-round pick, I think that deal could get done. Make the money work. Find a way to do it. And I think you go – you use the money that you had in, in Richardson and any space you cleared up with Horford and go after Joe Harris and just roll that starting line. Because I think going forward, Matisse is a more valuable asset to us than Richardson as much as I like Jay Rich. I just don't think that going forward, Richardson fits this scheme. And, and he can find he, – he's a good NBA basketball player. He's, he's a very good player. And I think that he could be important to another team's rebuild and another team's, you know, construction of the roster and everything. But I just don't think he fits here with this team. And, and I, I wrote an article about Simmons last night. And the main point of that article was the roster construction in the last two seasons has held Simmons back from being the player that we all have seen before in flashes and stretches, the roster construction is what held him and Embiid back from being the best players they could be this season. If Tobias is playing the four and you have two viable shooters at the two and three or whatever you want to call it, then this team looks a lot better. And whether it be a Mike Conley who we've seen play really well recently and could potentially see his way out of Utah in a, in a trade this off season, like, if you can get a guy that can shoot the ball and handle the rock, I think you see a much better Ben Simmons going forward. I'm still really excited about Ben, but, I mean, do you have any other free agents on your mind, guys that are, you know, getting out of contracts after this season? Uh, free agent-wise, uh, DJ Augustine's name that jumps out at me. I just – I like that. I want a, like, legitimate point guard to come off the bench, just a guy that, like, slides in. Because that has been my biggest issue with the whole construction in the, like – shakes the one bends the one whatever like the bottom line is there wasn't a true point guard on our roster how NATO was the best option and that's the only reason he kind of works himself worked his himself into minutes like that we saw in those playoffs but yeah. obviously like enough of a, a solid vet that can like get handed the offense that kind of thing i also yeah. to circle back to the trades the one that keeps popping into my head when i've played around with the trade machine and everything and i went more into yeah. an article on this but i'm saying send out al Jay Rich, Matisse, Zaire, and a first, and get back Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, and Marvin Bagley. And I think we're in a whole different spot like that. Wow, that would be crazy if they could do that. I, I hate the idea of letting Matisse go. I really, really do. I agree. And I know – You also talk about surrounding him with shooters and surrounding best fit for Ben, and Matisse is not that in any way. Like, I love Matisse. I would yeah. love for him to grow and be a part of this team, but it's also like – I think he's one of our more valuable guys right now when we're looking at trade a trade assets and like, like he's not a clean fit. We might as well not force it. We can find another defensive stopper. It's a lot harder to find these like scores apparently for what it seems with the way we're constructing our roster. Yeah. Yeah. He's so cute though. <laughs> how can you, how can you trade that away? No, I do. I do. I understand the idea of letting Matisse go. If it means, you know, getting a, a better win now piece. I just see Matisse as a guy that in the next three years, you know, under his current contract, uh, by the time his contract's up, like being a legitimate, like you can learn how to shoot. And it's, it's just not broken. We've seen him in stretches, knock down shots. He looked bad in the bubble. And, and mm -hmm. you know, obviously with it becoming the playoffs and him being thrown into minutes here and there and, and you know, not really performing well at all offensively and, you know, looking a little bit timid defensively. Um, but we saw throughout the season, we saw throughout the regular season, he can fill it up. Like, you look at the Kings game 
I think that was in early January. Like, he's not a complete liability. And with a little bit of experience, a little bit of time, I love the idea of if he can, you know, obviously it's all contingent on his um, progress as a shooter. But if he can find himself into like a, you know, a mid-level above at like slightly above average three-point shooter, him and Ben defensively and Joel like is such a scary sight. And I, I love that. And I don't know there. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of things that could potentially happen, which is total again, totally understandable based on, you know, the, the current situation that they're in. But I think if, if at all possible, if you can get a deal done with any one of like Richardson, Korkmaz, I know Zaire Smith's not really that valuable, but Zaire or, you know, a multitude of, of picks, I'd rather that and hold on to Matisse. But that that's just my personal, like, appreciation. I, that's, I just – we were talking about it earlier. Like, I'm just a fanboy over the Sixers. Like, we both talked about this before. Like, we just love the Sixers, and I just love the guys that are on the team, and it's really hard for me to, like, think about letting those guys go. But I'm – obviously, there's a couple guys like Horford that I wouldn't, you know, shove out the door. But – yeah. I mean, ideally, I want Matisse back on the roster next year. It's just kind of one of those, if we want to get something, we got to give something up. And the, the other, like, to flash back to a week, two weeks ago, whatever it was, I was at, like, the lowest of lows with my, what I was feeling about this team and, like, the outlook going yeah. forward. But I, it can't be time to blow it up yet. Just with, when we think about mm-hmm. Simmons and Embiid will go down as two of the top ten sixers all time and we have them, like, we have to go for it now and we have to retool yeah win right now with like however we need to do that and like if sacrificing Matisse who a couple years down the line is going to be very good for a guy that's very good right now that's something that I think we have to do you know yeah I just I look back at the Tobias trade though man like mm-hmm. Landry Shamit like I, I don't know there's value in keeping guys that develop under low level contracts that that's all I'm gonna it's like if yeah. you can keep a guy like that that's only making a couple million dollars a year and, and isn't really hitting the salary cap very hard and you can stash in your back pocket, like, I would try my best not to throw those guys away. If you can make that deal happen with Horford, Richardson, Zaire Smith, and a first and a second, like, go yeah. for it 100% if you can do that. But, like, if Matisse is the deal breaker in that, I would have a tough time doing it, obviously, logistically with – what's going on. I could see them pulling the trigger on that, but I would, I'm more inclined to see a guy like, like if that deal would happen, lower it down and just get healed or hell, even just get Barnes and Bagley and then go after Joe Harris in free agency. I like Buddy a whole lot. Oh, me too. Me too. And he'd be a great fit here. And I think he'd love the city. Like, I think that he would, he's a guy that would really flourish here. And yeah. Got, like guys that play around Ben just become better players. And I think, you know, if he can maintain his shooting stroke, as we've seen guys struggle with when they get into Philadelphia, which for whatever reason, I don't know why, but if he can maintain that dude, he'd be fantastic. He'd be a great fit. And again, like I said earlier, as much as I love Jay Rich and I appreciate him as a player, like he's just not the guy for that spot. You know, he, he's a, he's a good dude, a great dude and a, a very good player and a guy that has a lot of upside and, you know, I love his attitude and his energy that he brings, but like, I just, I just don't see the fit here going forward. Yeah. Um, but I agree. I also, and obviously, Jay Rich has flashed enough, especially over the bubble, to like draw some trade oh, back yeah. attention. So I, I think he's okay. going to be a guy that's like likely to be traded just based on he still has that value. Yeah, I feel bad for him, man. I, I think he's, 
I mean, obviously with Miami, he had to get traded for them to get Jimmy, which made them like exponentially better. And then like now we might have to trade him to get exponential. Cause I don't think is like, he just hasn't found the right spot for him yet. Cause yeah. I, I think he will be very good and could be on it. Like could be a, a very good complimentary offensive piece and defensive piece for, you know, a championship caliber team, just in a, in a better position where he doesn't have to be like a shooter. Um, but I also think a, a better coach might bring out um, the best in these guys. And as we've saw today, Jay Wright pulled out of consideration, which doesn't surprise me at all. I never really thought that he was an actual option. It was just like a pipe dream for Philadelphians everywhere, I guess. But um, it seems there's strong, quote unquote, strong mutual interest between um, the Sixers and Tyron Lue. How are you feeling about that? I don't know. I, I've come to like it more than I originally did. It's just like, I think largely the issue of this is the management or whoever you want to call is making decisions because we don't really know who actually is. Yeah. It is Elton Brand or whatever. But I think they would just want a piece that they can have control over and not a guy that's going to like do his own thing and have a lot of control. So I think Ty Lue kind of fits that bill in that regard. Uh, I don't know. It's like, I have mixed feelings. I do like I don't hate it completely. Like I think there are worse options out there, but I'm also like yeah. I don't think this is a move that immediately makes us much better as a team, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. I've I've gone on this roller coaster of emotions for these like couple coaching candidates and I've been at first I was like pretty into Ty Lue, and then I was like after doing some research, I was like I don't really want Ty Lue. And then I was like, I want Sam Cassell. I want Kenny Atkinson. I want all these other guys. I just don't want Ty Lue. And then it's like, he's not the worst option, obviously. And he also has had championship experience. He knows how to handle egos. He knows how to be the coach of a team that, like, has been down the block, you know. And and obviously with Kyrie Irving and LeBron James, those are two of the biggest play- names in, in the NBA. And he had them while they were, you know, at their peak together. And he was able to win a championship with them, um, but I don't. I don't know, man. It, it'll be interesting. I'm still super high on Kenny Atkinson. I don't know why he hasn't gotten more traction as a candidate for the Sixers. I agree. I don't understand why that hasn't gotten any momentum whatsoever. Like I've seen no indications at all of the Sixers even like coming coming into contact with him. Or but that was a guy that I had my eye on since he was first like fired from the Nets. And I do. I think it'd be a, a great fit with like schematically what he wants to bring in. But uh, I don't know. The thing that does, like, give me hope about Ty Lue is I like that he kind of gets into his players and isn't afraid to, like – like, he's not yeah. a guy that will get walked over, which is what I want because I, I want somebody to push Embiid and Simmons especially in that regard. But I don't know. I, again, like, uh, like X's and O's, uh, Ty Lue doesn't blow me, off, blow me off the page at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that that's half the battle, but obviously, like, with – Embiid and Simmons and all these other guys like egos handling that being a player's coach is what we saw Brett Brown do for a while but we all got upset when he wasn't a great X's and O's coach so it, it's it's tough it's like I, I don't know like I've said before there's there has to be an overhaul in terms of the roster um, for any coach to be successful going forward I'm actually kind of surprised that Ty Lue's like this interested in the job mm-hmm. um, it also kind of makes me nervous that not a lot of other teams have shown interest aside from the Nets, but that's like just basically because of Kyrie Irving and, and wanting that connection back. But I don't know. It's like, it's a weird, like hopeful feeling for me. Cause yeah. it's like, okay, 
you know, a different coach, a different time, like just a different era of the Sixers with our current stars, but also the fact that like, I just really hope we don't get worse through this whole process. Yeah. If this off season isn't, doesn't go well. And if they're not taking strides next year, we're very much close to time to blow this up and figure it out another way. Because like, again, it's, it stinks how handcuffed they are and how, like how much they're tied with like money and like, they don't have a lot to work with. They don't have a lot of assets with either money, draft picks, anything like it's, we were at already at our all in push and it clearly didn't work. Like this isn't the team. So you kind of got to draw up a quick plan B and figure it out on the fly, but that's what they have to do. Like it's not time to scrap it yet. Just cause Embiid and Simmons are both special and they're both like the faces of the franchise. We have them for a long time. Like we need to find a way to make this work as soon as possible. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, I, I said it last night, like how often do we have two all-stars to like, top whatever players in the NBA that are, are not only just willing to be here, but sign along. Like, Ben signed for another five years. Joel signed for another three. Like, it's I, – I, I think if you get to the end of Joel's contract and you're not knocking on the door of a championship, then you, you might want to just blow it up. But, like, mm-hmm. I, I think you got to give this team a couple shots. And, I mean, I've been saying this. I think I remember – after the the 2017-2018 season, I said, give this team five years and they're going to win a championship. And here we are in the third year of that. And, you know, it, it's it been a wild ride for this team, dude. Like, I feel like I've aged 15 years since that 2017-2018 since that team. And just how much more involved I've gotten, obviously, but also just, like, how much suffering this team yeah. has caused me for so long now. It's just... It's been brutal, but I, they, I still love them. I can't stop, you know. Yeah. This team has taken years off my life, it feels like. But, like, if we just think about, like, say we pull that original King straight I was talking about, and we have a lineup of yeah. Simmons, Buddy, Harrison Barnes, Tobias, and Embiid with, like, Shake as the sixth man. Like, that's a whole lot better than the team look this year, I think. Yeah, you don't even, like, the thing I'm seeing now with the way, like, you know, for from like 2007 to like 2016, it was like big threes, big threes, big threes. Mm-hmm. You have to have a three stars to win a championship. You have to. And now you look at it and like there's no third star on the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Like you have LeBron and AD. I mean, the Clippers have Kawhi, oh. Paul George. And then you just, I mean, obviously Lou Williams is great. Marcus Morris is pretty good. Like Montrez Harrell's, he's good. Like, but you look at all these other teams that are competing, that are in the mix, that are doing things that like they look better than the Sixers, and they only have two stars. They have two main guys, but they just have three other guys in the ro- on the starting lineup, and then the rest of the roster is constructed around being complementary to those players and their style of play. Like, if you like, when I watch the Sixers, it's it's so disappointing. I watch the Sixers and then I watch another game, and I've s- had this conversation like they just don't look the same as other teams. Like these games don't look the same. You know what I mean? And it's like, they just don't play modern basketball. And obviously with a point guard that doesn't shoot, that's hard. But I think you need to get into the idea of like what the Celtics do play positionless basketball, stop labeling things. And beat is just different, dude. Like his ability, his, his range as a seven foot two center, his ability to get up and down the floor, like 
that is special. Simmons does a lot of things that above average, you know, elite in most categories. Find ways to get those guys in the position to win. You know, get them three shooters in the starting lineup with the two of them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm I'm never going to be out on those two until like the brakes fall off with them. Agreed. And people get so caught up on like Simmons position. And is he a point guard? Is he a power forward, small forward? It really doesn't matter. He's going to do the same thing and impact the game the same way. He's still going to get rebounds, take it coast to coast, run the fast break, whether no matter what position you want to call him. So it's like, I'm, I don't get, we, I feel like the Sixers too are too caught up in like getting the right, like the right starting five positionally and stuff like that. When really get guys that float, get guys that play off it, just get like yeah. right play style more than the the best player. Yeah. I mean, you look at, you look at the heat, you look at the Celtics, like the heat don't really have a, like Jimmy Butler is their main offensive, like ball handler. You know what I mean? And there's like, then they just are loaded that team with shooters and guys that fit the scheme. And Jimmy Butler was a God awful shooter throughout the regular season. But you know what they did for him? They brought they brought up guys that just knocked down jump shots like Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Jay Crowder's been shooting the ball well. Like Kendrick Nunn shoots the ball well. Like they have a lot of guys on that roster that just fill it up. And like there's no oh this is the point guard he always has a ball in his hands. This is the shooting guard he doesn't do much. Like it, it's none of that. If Ben gets a rebound or if Ben's the closest one to the ball on the rebound, get him the ball and go. Mm-hmm. And if in the, in the half court if whoever it is is playing point guard that runs the offense. I want Ben – like, the problem with what they did in putting Ben in the power forward spot is they didn't have a move. Right. Like, they would run that little action where he would stand at the the free throw line, the elbow, and just get him the ball with his back to the basket, 15, 17 feet from the basket. He can't be effective that way. Like – and that's a Brett Brown thing, and and that's uh, one thing, obviously, that could be fixed with a different coach. But having him play off ball in the half court, I think, is probably the right – decision to make I just think that he needs to be put in a better position like if I was the coach I would just tell Ben listen move constantly or almost constantly or be setting back screens like move as much as you can on that side of the ball because that's the way he'll get open is cutting screening going for lobs flashing out to the corner if he's going to be shooting those corner threes which seems to be the only ones that he's willing to shoot why not like get get an action get an offense moving where he's being optimized or he's being put in the best position and, and rather than just sticking him either in the dunker spot or at the elbow, the, those are like 1960s basketball rules. You know what I mean? Right. And even when he did like switch the four, four this time in the bubble, like the offense still ran with him in the same way of him, like getting it at the elbow and like, like it didn't free him up to, to like, in no. any way that like it should have with that move. Like it was, it was the same thing, just honestly more constricted in more confined areas, which is exactly what you don't want to do with him. And like, he needs as much space as possible to operate with that regard. And like, I don't know, again, and he wasn't really replaced as a point guard. Like shake is not a true point guard either. And there wasn't like a guy that slid into run an offense and distribute in a way that Simmons does. No, no, no. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what direction they're going to go. What what I, I mentioned this last week, and I said one thing that really uh, made me happy to hear from Elton Brand was that he said he wanted to sit down with Ben and Joel and say, you know, what do you guys want to do? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important for both of them and for the, the success of this team is for them to both find, you know, a, much, a mutual ground, be happy, find, find, you know, a middle ground with the two of them. 
And if Ben says, I want the ball in my hands the majority of the time, you say, okay, I just need to get a secondary ball handler that plays shooting guard. So, you know, there's a lot of guys that come to mind. Ideally, Zach Levine. I know it's not going to happen, but I'm going to keep telling myself that it might. Um, but like a guy, a guy like that archetype that, you know, if he gets the ball in a long rebound, he's just going to turn and run. And I think you should have three guys. You're one, two, and three. Like, they should be able to just get the ball in their hands wherever on the court and go. Because Ben is lethal with or without the ball mm-hmm. on the fast break. And, like, you can run your half-court sets off of Joel. He's proven that he can be dominant in that sense. And I think that there's a lot to be said about that. And if they could kind of have this, like, you know, yin to their yang and, and Ben be the fast pace, get to the rim all the time. And then if they're in the half court, have, you know, a bouncy point guard that can get around and shoot the ball from three, but also get the ball to Joel. Like, I, I don't know. I, as much as I've been upset about the position they're in, I've been still pretty optimistic in the fact that they can make a couple small moves or one big move to, you know, get to a position where they can be contenders again. Yeah, by the way, Embiid's living it up on Twitter right now. He changed yeah, his what? middle name to Troel and tweeted, I'm still really unhappy. <laughs> uh, I know he's – I know I, it hurts my heart. It hurts my heart when he does it. But I, I know he's kidding. I know he is. He's just a big kid. He is, but, like, I don't know why he does it. I'm not, like, <laughs> I feel like if for him, like, he could have just stayed quiet. No one would have said anything, like, he played his heart out in that series and there wasn't much for him to do other than what he did. And I mean, no one's mad at him. Right. There's a lot of other people to be mad at before him. Also, I don't know why he does it. The people like speculating like Embiid wants to trade. Like if he did, I would also like, I would get it. Like I'm like, like I wouldn't be. Oh my there. God. Yeah. Like they've done a horrible job of surrounding you with guys that belong and like players like that. And it, yep. it's got to be incredibly frustrating for him, especially especially in that series. Just look at him. Like, he clearly was on another level that the guys surrounding him weren't and, like, yep. not able to get – that just, like, there was no chance that whole series. Yeah, I, I like, as much as it would disappoint me and I would be upset at the idea of Joel going somewhere else, I also couldn't be that upset with him. Mm-hmm. Like, I would be more upset with Elton Brand and, and the front office and everything that's going on, like – I don't know. I'm, that's what I'm hoping. Like, I'm hoping they can just hold on to him right now, figure it out, and go for it. I had a question for you, actually, because this is something I saw. My Twitter feed is, is ridiculous, right? And the one thing I saw today was how bad of a bubble season Lonzo Ball had. And I was like, what, the tweet was like, just like Sixers question mark. I don't hate Lonzo. would you – I like Lonzo. How would you feel if they if they were able to get him like real cheap for like a backup point guard position? How would you feel about that? Uh, I think if we do that, it's very much a commitment to we're running the fast break because I think other than outside of Simmons, Lonzo is right up there in the the best in the league with like running the fast break, and he also has phenomenal yeah. outlet passes. His three point shot looked very much improved this year, even despite despite well, other than the bubble because the bubble was really bad. But like he was bad, yeah. He shot the ball better. I think moving on from the Lakers did him a lot of good. I'd be surprised if the Pelicans gave up on him, but I would definitely take him here. And he is kind of like the can play the shooting guard or point guard kind of role. Yeah. Yeah. I like I 
no realistic like situation yeah yeah like that they would get him but i would just think it would be kind of funny if they were able to get the first pick in that draft and then also the second pick in that draft to play for that team because it was markel and then lonzo from that 2017 but yeah we're in a weird spot man we are in a weird spot um i think i I don't want to keep saying i keep i keep thinking that we're we're you know, trending in the correct direction. Oddly enough that I feel that way. They have a lot of work to do. Um, but I mean, going forward, like what's your, what's your main concern? And like for the final question, main concern and where do you see them realistically next season? Uh, I think main concern has got to be Al Horford still. Like, it's like, you have to find a way to get that, get him off the books in that contract is the biggest thing. I don't think they're going to give up on Tobias. Just basically, like you just made him the highest paid player in franchise history, and you need to ditch him next year. I think it's just a yeah. They're not willing to swallow yet. Do you think? Do you think Al wants out? You you got to think he wants out. I can't see a way where he's happy playing here. Like I can't see any way that all the media scrutiny, all everybody hating him, him not looking comfortable on the court by any means everything i just can't see yeah. why he's happy here either so i'm sure he's yeah. in the same boat and i think that's my main concern if they can find a way to do that if they have a phenomenal off season they can be right back into championship contenders in the same way that we expect them to be this year and they were in like last year and two years ago even uh if it we run it back in a similar roster as last year and we just find minor moves to make and stuff like that I'm, I think we're dancing in NBA purgatory and being in that lower playoff range, not getting a good pick, not being able to contend to a championship, which is a scary place to be in. The worst place to be. Yeah. Hanky didn't die for this, man. That's what I'm saying, man. It hurts. <laughs> yeah. I'm, so my number one, obviously, aside from Horford, getting, you know, getting rid of Horford, signing Joe Harris is my number one priority as of right now, unless there's an, there's an ability to make a trade for Zach Levine. Yeah. Then I will not, I don't know what I'll do. I'll, I'll act out if the Sixers were able to make a trade for Zach Levine, but one way or another, there's a lot of work to do and we're going to be right here with you throughout all of it. And whether you like it or not, we're going to keep doing this. So um, we appreciate you guys for listening. Um, we'll hear from you guys soon.